Doctor's body is wearing thin as he comes across a new deadly foe, the Cybermen. Can he defeat this part human, part robot that is devoid of all emotions? And what price will he have to pay in the end? This is the 10th planet. Welcome to Regenerated. my dear. It comes from an outside influence. This, this old body of mine is wearing a bit thin. What do you mean wearing a bit thin? Oh, don't worry, child. Don't worry, don't worry. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Regenerated. I am Matt, and I am joined by Becky. Hello. And this week, we've got the very exciting The Tenth Planet. So, Becky, uh, finally, do you think that your Cybermen, um, what's the word, sort of want has been satisfied this week? In a way. Because uh, you've been going on for, for months now about wanting Cybermen. We finally got them. So and there was more, not just the fact that we wanted Cybermen. It was just like there was Dalek or it was something stupid, you know. and Or it was something this or it was something that. It was never like, you know, like Saltarans or Autons or, you know, it was always Daleks. Yeah, obviously so, the Daleks are the big one. They're the ones that reoccur quite a lot. But, yeah, but number two is now Cy- Cybermen, Yeah, but it? Cybermen always have a habit of reoccurring quite a lot, in fact. And, you yeah. know, it's kind of like, well, when are they coming? I and kind of now, I said this earlier when we are watching it, I kind of feel now that this is where Doctor Who really sort of, really now begins. Speaking of, with your models that you have of the Cybermen, when do they start? Because I don't think they have this one in. I think you'll find this one is actually in the figure set that I do have, which is what you're talking about. Really? I need Let's to say, look at that. 10th Planet, um, quickly before we go in, no real news. We did say on the last podcast about Jodie Whittaker maybe leaving. There's been um, no update. I actually saw a few things, as well as the mirror and the sun post I said about. Um, I did see something on Heart. On their Facebook page. Which is a, a, a English or more towards where we live radio show, yes. Um, And then there was something also suggested. I can't figure it out for the life of me, but it was another newspaper. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, w- it wasn't like a local one. Well, the, 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 B- the BBC and Jodie Whittaker have not um, confirmed this. So again, it's still rumour. I did see the only thing I've seen to come out of it is that the the fans have kind of done their own little like poll of who they'd want to be the Doctor, and the person who come out is that Richard Adewadi. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's sort of a, a black sort of uh, comedic sort of actor in the in Britain. Yeah, so but they are, that's kind of ironic, really, because you know we were talking about like James Bond and everything the other week when we were saying about a fe- like, female James Bond, but. It's kind of ironic that they're now suggesting that the next James Bond is actually potentially going to be someone of racial descent. So I think the fact that they're now sort of hinting that way towards Doctor well, Who as well. I think if they're going to do it, 
like they did with a woman, someone like Richard Adewale, he's quite... I, he'd get my vote. I could see him being a doctor. <laughs> right, he'd be quite good, I it think. It would be, be really funny if we had an OCD doctor. Well, you don't know really how he'll play the how the how he'll play the character if it oh, is. Oh come but off it! The guy is massively OCD in general. He plays OCD characters, so that would be rather funny. Well, we'll have to see again. Like I say, this is all just rumor because there's been no confirmation from Although, the BBC. Although I do know some people who have actually recently subjected their children to Matt Smith's Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and. These children had special needs, and now all they want to do is eat fish fingers and custard. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Um, so thank God we no real big no yet. no real big news to come out this week. To be honest, with regards to Doctor Who, let's say we'll keep up to date on that. Uh, let's say the tenth planet, eighth to the 29th of October sixty six, and let's say this is and where I feel still weren't born. Yeah, this is where I feel that Doctor Who really really got going. All right, so who was actually Doctor in nineteen sixty eight? Well, it would have been William Hartnell, wouldn't? Uh, not William Hartnell. I think it probably would have been uh, Patrick Troughton, maybe, because um, he does about two years, seven months. All right. So, so problem is in eighty nine. I don't think there was a doctor about. Mm. Well, there would have been. It would have been probably John Pertwee, or it would have been Patrick Troughton at the end. What in eighty nine? Or eighty nine? Sorry, eighty nine. I can't remember when the classic runs finished. It might be. That it finished before then, I'm not really too sure. Again, I don't know until we was get to it. Was there a doctor around the year you were born? Yes. Who was that then? 85, I'm not really too sure. Again, um, I don't know the dates of when the doctors was the doctors. Was it the 8th or the 9th? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know well, until I get to it, Becky. We'll, f- well, it ain't going to be the 9th. We'll find because out. Because the 9th we? is Christopher Eccleston. Well, we'll find out when we get to yeah. it. But anyway, like I said, the 10th planet. The writer was a Kit Peddle. Uh, Peddler and Jerry Davis and I Jerry wonder if he peddles kids. Um, Jerry Davis. That was funny. Jerry Davis is the man who came up with the concept of the Doctor's regeneration. So he's quite influential yeah, that, with that, Doctor that Who. That was a chuckle. That was not a cough. I was going to say. And the director was a Derek. I just, I just sometimes have a habit of laughing at my own jokes. Mm, you're the only one. The, doc- the doctor. The director was a Derek Martinez. Again, Galaxy Four and Mission to the Unknown. So he's done a few. Uh, well, Galaxy Four weren't too bad. William Hartnell's run. No, it's not too bad. We'll get on to at the end. The Galaxy to the Unknown one, the one that Mission to the Unknown. Yeah, is. Mission to the Unknown. Um, the standalone one without. Uh, without William Hartnell. Yeah, in. that's it. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't like that one. That was a bit. Bleh. So at the end of the um, confusing when we've gone through the tenth planet and sort of wrapped up what we think and thought, we'll go through a little bit of William Hartnell's profile. Um, a little bit of his life, not too much, but a little bit. And we'll also go through what our favourite uh, episodes of his run were, and probably the least favourite as well. I've got a few topics as well I want to discuss as we go through the episodes as well. I've got a few, like I say, William Hartnell as a doctor, what we felt. We have actually done this a little bit in the past, but we'll dive a bit more deeper into it this week. Like I say, I'll go through the final episode, which is this one, and then go through the favourite episodes and least favourites, like I said a, a little minute ago. Uh, the regeneration premise as well, I think we'll discuss that as well. And uh, our first impressions of the Cybermen, which should be quite interesting. So, episode one started off with some, like, I call them different graphics. It kind of has, like, um, what one was it? I can't really remember. There was a previous episode where they had this, like, um, was it the War Machines, where they had that sort of 
funny sort of bubble writing. I think it was that it said the war machines in like a. a like it was sort one on top of the other. It the was sort war of machines. like. Um, like a font. It was a different Windows font. Windows 95 version of trying to do clip art in a futuristic way, and it weren't futuristic. Yeah, so this one had like a sort of computer effect um, with like new like font and graphics. Trying to so make trying it look futuristic, yeah, and it wasn't. They're kind of experimenting now with the change of, of the like font. the intro and the outros as well. This is sort of the start, like hint hmm. of them trying to change something, which is quite interesting. Well, yeah, because normally the titles go up at the end, not at the beginning. Well, they did go up at the end, but at the end of every episode, they had um, that sort of uh, machine type sound going over the outro music. Yeah, very so interesting. That was a bit weird. Yeah, very interesting premise. So, if we could go oh, through. I just thought it was um, one of the kids on the tablets, actually. No, no, it's, uh, it's, off the, it's off the off the episodes. They actually put it in. So, we could go through the premise. There's a few. I find there's a few threads through the stories, uh, through the story, or through the mm-hmm. episodes. There's a couple going on at once. So if we quickly go through like, sort of a roundup synopsis and we go dive into a few of the points. So basically the premise is that they have uh, launched a sort of um, rocket from this uh, Arctic... Which looked like a thermos flask. Yeah, it was in the Antarctic South Pole base yeah i can't remember and i kept saying to you the whole time i was like well is that supposed to be a rocket because it looks like thermos flask mm, yes, and yeah. <laughs> this is really kind of badly this was kind of the start of the episode we see the rocket it launched it it's it kind of like a survey rocket have, i think as well it didn't even have like the thunderbirds one point or the thunderbirds three point of a rocket it was like you know but it again, looked flat on top. You know, 66... Not very aerodynamic. 66 space race, you know. It's kind of that sort of element again, like we've said before. They're kind of trying to sort of hook into the niche market at the time, which is like, say, space race. They did yeah. it here. So there is a, it's a survey mission, I think, where they're just sort of going into orbit, orbit around the world, yeah. surveying the planet. I think that's basically what they're doing on this rocket. Yeah. And there's a few, like I say, there's a few strands throughout the uh, serial. There's this one where they've sort of launched this would, rocket. I would say that I think the rocket would have been more aer- aerodynamic, but maybe who knows? More uh, of a you've got the Doctor Ben and Polly. They land obviously at this sort of uh, this base. We get uh, the Cybermen. Their planet sort of comes towards the Earth. They land, so that's Mandos. kind of a yep. They're kind of like. Another sort of thread that you got the Cybermen there. You also got like the yeah, Doctor, the, the Doctor's failing health in the past of a potential twin planet. There was also like Earth, but they got destroyed. That's probably why they did it because in this they story. say that it. I think there was rumors that said that it could have collided with the Moon, or it could be the reason why there's an asteroid belt near the Earth. Mm, yeah, maybe that could be why, and it could be why they've picked this sort of particular story. Who knows? But let's say there's the uh, Cybermen thread. There is the Doctor's failing health thread. But like and I say, none of that is actually confirmed. And, you know, no. I would have to do a little more research and that to actually confirm it, just yeah. in case people went a bit crazy at me. And there's a third <laughs> final thread, which is the general in this. His son goes up in a rescue pod and they have this sort of them wanting to destroy. who he reminds me of. I think that's a cross between Alec Baldwin meets John Wayne. Maybe. And sort of throwing a massive hissy fit. And 
not saying general's the last thread with his son up in orbit so there's like three threads going through this episode yeah he so, sounds a bit guilt-ridden yeah. as well so i'm wondering if he was an absentee so it's a very father. it's kind of very an in-depth story for how compact it is it does have a multi-layered sort of bits mm. to it so anyway let's like say that rocket gets launched from the snow, uh, the snow base the tardis lands i think i said the tardis looks yeah, this bigger. is what confuses the me. Model, the model of the TARDIS looks really big when they land. It's a different... Yeah, it looks like a different model that they've been using. There is something that confuses me a little. The amount of times we've watched SpaceX launches and things like that, and the amount of times that they've said, oh, it's too cold to launch, or it's too this to launch, or it's too that to launch. Yeah, that's a night supposed to be in the South Pole. <laughs> it's not too cold to launch. Well, they don't really... you got to remember, like I said... It's the beginning <laughs> of the space race. They don't really understand the premise of launching rockets at this point. Or so, the temp- optimum temperature to launch a rocket. No, they didn't really know about that at this time. So that doesn't really <laughs> come into the writer's mind. But let's say the TARDIS sort of lands. They do the age-old thing, which is, we've landed. Let's just go and investigate. So, again, we've... My fear is it actually is cold outside. Let's stay indoors. So now... The uh, the companions have been in it for a couple of episodes Which is suiting me well during lockdown because I don't like the cold. Yeah, I know. It is getting quite cold here. In I'm, the like a, I'm like a grizzly bear at heart. I prefer to hibernate. I prefer to stock up and hibernate in my jammies. Mm. So, <laughs> companions have been in it for a little while now, Ben and Polly. I think that Ben is more of the shadowing companion than what Polly is. Polly's more of a supporting character, but she's kind of in the background a lot more than what Ben is at this point. Normally, when you have two companions, they kind of do have kind of equal share. But this time, I find that Polly has been very quiet in the stories. She's not really come to the been front very vocal. at the minute. Yep. So I don't know if that's how no, you th- feel think, about that, but I that's th- how I, I generally of, feel. I don't is know that... if that's a generational thing where because it's in the 60s, she, and she's from the 60s. She expects Ben to be more, and the Doctor to be more assertive, or and not very assertive herself, or whether she basically just feels like, well, you know, do I dare be assertive because the Doctor could go off his rocker? I don't know. It just, I always say that the three-man crew is a struggle. I do like a two-man crew, but like I say, one has to suffer for the other one, and it seems that Polly is suffering in the stories because of Ben. Now, Ben mm. is a companion... But then we used to have the same thing with Barbara and Ian. Barbara used to get closer to the Doctor, but then the next minute it was Ian. So, mm. you know... I've I got to admit that I like Ben more as a companion than I do Polly. Maybe it's because I'm programmed through the stories because Ben has more story time than what Pol- Polly does. because Ben has more oomph and more gusto. And Polly's just a bit of a sissy and she whines a lot. Well, there's a bit at the end as well where Ben just, gets to just, stretch his... It just his... gets irritated with me with the fact of the whole, oh, damsel in distress thing again. That's the only trouble um, with the female companion, that that is Yeah, but come on, it's supposed it to be... Right, right, I get it, it was filmed in the 60s, right? But at the end of the day, nowadays, there's more equal opportunities and things like that so, yeah, I get them doing a woman doctor and everything, but they should really actually have, give the companions some sort of actual gusto, especially the female ones, and say, actually, you know, you're stronger than we thought. I think also with you're somebody like... You're mentally strong as well as physically strong and not 
actually just a damsel in distress that everyone has to rescue. I think also with Ben, Ben is kind of portrayed a little bit like the brute. He's kind of like the muscle. The hero. But there is a bit in this story, which I'll get to, where he actually gets to stretch his brains a little bit as well, which is a nice little change for the male companion. He's not just like the, the sort of hero, brute, muscle. He actually has got a little bit of intelligence muscle, behind him. he got much of that either. He's a wow. sailor, remember? Anyway. Yep. So they come out of the TARDIS. They're sort of looking around. Obviously, it's the South Pole. They're quickly rounded up by these American... I would class them as an army because there's a general. So they're kind of like the um, American army from this base. They round them up and take them below. And we find out yeah, it's a I South Pole Yeah, I wouldn't say army, base. army, but sort of Amer- American military. Military, that's right, military. We find out that um, they have a bit of a penguin complex. They drop. Well, they do. They name drop. They name drop penguins twice in the first episode within the space of five minutes. But then the, the rumour that there's supposed to be more penguins at the South Pole than there is the North Pole. Well, maybe that's why they say it. We find out. But th- yeah, in any of this serial, you haven't seen one penguin. No, exactly. So the so, Bill well, ripped off. Yeah. Oh well. We find out we find out that the year is actually 1986. So but they that, pro- think... that probably would be a glove puppet. So mm, yeah, so yeah, we we find out it's 86. They think they're back in their normal time. They've gone ahead what twenty years? Twenty years. I isn't thought it? it was eighty-eight. No, it's eighty-six. Oh, okay. uh, the rocket that got launched in the beginning doing the survey, they spot this new planet, and that's when the really the story sort of starts to take it, off. No, it was 86. I wrote it down, Becky. Oh. Believe me, it's 86. If you've That's got it wrong, I, I, I'm sure I'm fault. If not. Anyway, the doctor sort of tries to warn them. He says he knows what they'll see. And I thought, is the doctor's oh. appearance here, is it a disadvantage? They look at him, they see him as this sort of wizened old man now and they don't trust him they sort of well, they push him to the side them as visitors and they appeared from nowhere in what they class as a spaceship and then all of a sudden up comes a planet and they're like oh my god aliens well yeah but is his appearance now being an old man a disadvantage in the last episode serial the smugglers they called him sawbones you know and they they refer to him as like pops in this one i think yeah is it a little bit like sort of you know, condescending. Yeah, condescending to now sort of his appearance is now well, a disadvantage. Well, the thing is, I think the purpose of the Doctor being sort of older is the fact that it's supposed to appear to be wiser. And the fact that obviously he's not being treated like he's wiser, he's being treated like a silly old coot. Yeah, so they don't they don't really listen to him even though he's kind of, he kind of knows what he's and talking he's about. right. So... They're, As always. The military, they have this sort of idea to bring this rocket down, but the gravity from this new planet, which is coming towards the Earth, is having an effect uh, on their re-entry, and eventually uh, it ends up blowing up. This like capsule that these two astronauts are in, it ends up blowing up. Yeah. So, you know. Seen th- enough of that lately with the whole, you know, NASA thing on Disney+. Plus. What on? What about Disney Plus? Oh, we were watching that thing, weren't we? The Mercury thing. Oh, I guess that's a different program in, in its entirety. When the Mercury Seven was going through testing, yeah, but it does bring up sort of a sore spot, and that does actually bring up thing. You know, when us like when I was watching it, that's what was going through my head. 
and the things about obviously the Mercury astronauts and the Apollo. It's a little bit, a little bit different in this serial because it's not actually like real. Yeah, and yeah. it's blown up because of an outside influence, which is this planet. We find out that actually this planet is a copy of Earth. We get a bit yeah, of backstory. It, it does just remind you of how much. Obviously, at that point in time when it was recorded, it probably wouldn't because obviously, you know, man didn't go up in space at that point. No, well, exactly. Still, it's, but it's the start of the space race, I think, 66. You know, it's... You know, it, now watching it nowadays, though, it does remind you how many lives were actually lost. Well, not many. You know, to actually it's not, get not, that far. Not many people have actually died in space travel, Becky. You know, it's not too many, to be fair. The, everyone is, is a tragedy, but there wasn't too many died on the launch of a rocket. But anyway, we get a bit backstory no, that just from the pads. that they are, they are actually these two twin planets, and the Doctor seems a bit concerned about this sort of situation, and he says that there will be visitors. Looking terribly worried, Doctor. Am I, my dear? Yes, I'm afraid I am rather worried. What is it, Doctor? What's up? Well, you see, Ben, I know what this planet is and what it means to Earth. What does it mean to Earth? Well, that pretty soon we shall be having visitors. Visitors? What here? But who do you think he's bringing him? Father Christmas on his sledge? Oh, quiet, boy, quiet. So it kind of, he's already yeah, how alluding. Does, how does he know? That the well, that's habited? it. He must have back history with the Cybermen here. He's hinted yeah, he that he's met, met them before. Yeah, but he doesn't say that he knows who they are. No, but he, he says they're visitors. Say so what the planet's called. He doesn't specify any of it. And he acts as if that's the first time he's met them. But... Not only that, he seems to know that this planet is inhabited. Well, he's but the all knowing doctor. That's just, I don't know why. Anyway, one of the ships from this planet then sort of lands, and then we get this little scene of the Cybermen appearing because the military try and get into the TARDIS as they're trying to. These three Cybermen. Oh, come on. Come if the Daleks can't them. get in the TARDIS, a few military blokes ain't gonna. So the Cybermen sort of they appear behind them and karate chop them to death oh my god by the looks of it anyway oh come on even a vulcan death group so, ain't gonna like kill someone that badly you know so now at, that at, we're, the um, of, at the end of the day going like that and karate chopping someone in the neck ain't gonna kill him so them now that we've got the the yeah. cybermen now introduced into the program what did you think of the intro of the cybermen coming well, over the, sa- of... the snow dunes out of the mist well, you know how you get that like, sort of silhouette expression? You think, oh my god, these are going to look shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't get so much better when they were close up either. Um, <laughs> the only thing I could gather is from the head thing, it looked like someone had basically put on a tube sock and cut holes in it. Well, I did say last <laughs> week about the socks. I did say that they'd had the socks on the head. And then the bit that goes around the head looked like something that was made of blue Peter. I think it's more of a body stocking, I think, is what they were wearing. Um, here it was the blue Peter thing that went over the head. And then the little jumpsuit, which they had no gloves, by the way. Well, I'm going to get into and that quickly the as suit, well. the suit actually had... They had normal shoes on and hands. They didn't have no gloves or actual like shoes that matched that, the suit. That is the end of the episode. The episode and was with a computer doohickey on the belly. What are they, oh. Blooming Kang or something? You know, it's this ain't this ain't Teenage Mutant Ninja See, Turtles. You don't have like a computer thing on your belly, and that just looked like something from you know. I've seen better models of Tracy Island built on Blue Peter. 
So the end of the episode is that obviously they've killed these humans. They put a hand down and, and it's I a thought, human I hand. Thought... And that is uh, sort of telling us that they are actually part human. Yeah, That's basically I what it's for, to say that, that they the are actually part human. The suits were the first ones and that they were bad enough. Well, the look's quite basic. <laughs> basic. Um, it, only... it literally looks like someone showed... Um, a massive mark pen where the mouth and eyes are supposed to be and they've just burnt holes in them instead of oh. actually cutting them out. In the next episode, we find out that actually, you know, obviously they are Cybermen. They've got uh, no emotions whatsoever. And obviously they don't, really, they don't the move voice? their mouth with, they don't move the mouth with speech, but they sort of open their mouth and get this sort of robotic sort of uh, voice that it's comes not out. Robotic. The thing, the thing that saves this Cyberman <laughs> look for me, it's, it's if you let me, if you let me finish quickly, if the, the thing that saves this Cyberman look for me is the fact that you've got obviously the sort of body stocking on the head with the two eyes. You can see the eyes. Oh, we know what's a tube sock. You can see the eyes, and because they're supposed to be lacking emotion, and the mouth's not moving, their eye is moving slightly, and it, I think that's probably the only saving thing is that if you look at just that, that could be you know, there's something inside there, but it's just yeah, it's void of emotion, but say, it is human. I wouldn't say the voices were robotic. That's like, you know, when you try and pull a sickie at school and you pretend to be your mum. You know, that's pretty much like... Yeah, it's a funny, it's, it's a funny it's, old it's like, voice. It's like they've heard the uh, how a Cyberman's supposed to sound and they're trying to play at it. Obviously, they evolve as they go along. They change into what we know of a Cyberman in New Who and also in Classic Who at the end. So yeah, the they do suit. get better. Yeah, they do get better. But the diving suit. overall, <laughs> think about it in the 60s, this would probably send kids behind the sofa. It was, if you oh, think about it, it, it could be classified as a terrifying See, now, when I was monster. a kid, the thing that sent me behind the sofa was always the Beast from Beauty and the Beast and Maleficent from um, Sleeping Beauty. Now, they're actually one of my two favourite films, and I actually absolutely love them now. The thing is, it's, it's not really about the Cyberman look. It's about the thought that they are used to be human. They have stripped away their emotions and they're just basically honest, killing think, machines. It's basic what they are. I think the war machines were a bit more threatening than the than the Dalek than the Cybermen at the moment because at least right. they had a gun. Well, and the Cybermen, you can't karate chop someone again, to death. We'll have to see how um, yeah, they evolve happen. as they go on. You karate chop someone, they faint. Their weapon they... is a we- the weapon seems to be this sort yeah. of light as well. What's That's... with the? It looks like a tea tray. With a light on it. Yeah, so we'll just mention that because that light does come into play quite a bit during the whole serial. Uh, we get a ba- how, how, how does that kill people? Is it like a laser? Well, Is maybe. it like blinding? Who knows? They don't really explain that. We do get a bit of the backstory. How do you kill someone with light? We do get a, a, a bit of the backstory that this a planet that's appeared is called Mondus. It went to the edge of space because the yeah, race, the the race on the planet was getting travel? weak. And they sort of interchange their body parts with spare parts. But who or what are you? We are called Cybermen. Cybermen? Yes, Cybermen. We were exactly like you once, but our cybernetic scientists realised that our race was getting weak. Weak? How? 
our lifespan was getting shorter, so our scientists and doctors devised spare parts for our bodies until we could be almost completely replaced. And they've completely removed their emotions. Yeah, but how do you travel on a planet? Well, that is the question as well. I, I tried to, I tried to think about that as well when they were saying, "Well, they moved the planet." It's quite strange how this planet sort of moves. Oh, I, I, I twigged that. Free. What they done is they stuck a steering wheel in a volcano. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, while they're having this sort of discussion, Ben sort of makes a break for the gun, only for the Cybermen to grab the gun and bend it. So obviously, uh, showing that they have this sort of great strength as well. And he is—he ends up being taken oh, so away, locked in a projector it was, room. It was really made out of Play-Doh. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, a foam gun. So yeah, no, he's locked. because if it was foam, it would have snapped. It wouldn't have bended. Mm. So it must be something like plasticine or Play-Doh for it to bend. Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a connoisseur in what the props are made out of, Becky. Yeah. So <sighs> Ben's cut. Ben's locked away in this sort of uh, projection room. Well, it's Where, not gonna be a stick, is it? Well, no. And uh, we find out then what the Cybermen's true intentions are. Basically, their planet is running out of energy. They want to sort of sap the energy off the Earth, effectively sure destroying the Earth. Are you sure the they're Earth? not around now? Because mm. I've had my energy zapped all day. Well, who knows? Somewhere lurking over the next corner could be a Cyberman, Becky. I never know. Ben, then... We have got a few weird neighbours. Mm. Ben then uses a projector to blind a Cyberman, and then he ends up using this light weapon on the Cyberman to sort of escape. Light then they said they're going to like take everyone to Mondas to be Cybermen. Oh, come off it. More like take you outside, kill you in the snow, and leave you on the ground while they well, fly the, off. The no. premise of the Cyberman sort of history is that they want to just like colonise people to make them Cybermen. That still runs into New Who as well. You so that will be assimilated. Yeah, basically, they're a bit like Star Trek Borg. They just assimilate, and that's the same thing for Cybermen, that they just kind of want to have everyone become yeah, a then, Cyberman. Why, but then why in the modern Who, or New Who, do they turn around and say delete all the time? I because at the end of the day, even deleting stuff ain't going to do everything. Well, it's kind of like I say, that they, they just evolve. Um, to be honest, I couldn't do that. It's just so robotic. I could never be a Cyberman. Ben ends up coming... I like, I like my emotions too much. No matter how rocky they are, I, I do prefer to have emotion any day. So Ben then comes back and hands this sort of that light weapon to the general, who instantly takes out two Cybermen. That's so how, that's that's, that's, how, that's how you know you're alive is by feel, feeling fear and pain, happiness, sadness, frustration, anger. That's how you know you're alive. You know how do well, the Cybermen even feel alive if they're just? Well, they don't. They avoid. Robots. They're avoid of all emotions. They're like I say, effectively just a, a robot. A, yeah, a robot killing machine. That is basically what they are. But they're very yeah, but they easily. Have a brain. But they're very easily taken out by their but own they weapons. They have a human brain. Yeah, but that's been all fear, emotion. It's all been stripped away. So that must instead of being about that big, then it must be about that big. So for the purpose of the listeners, Becky went from a big size to a small size. A big size? Well, no, I went from a small size, which is supposed to be your brain, to about the size of a golf ball. It's the size <laughs> of your brain, then. <laughs> Shut up, I'm smart. So you? Women have, three, actually, so that is a scientific fact, if you must know, women actually have bigger brains than men. Okay. 
take your word for it, Betty. Google it if you don't believe me. I ain't got time to Google it. We're doing a podcast. And not only that, we, there is actual such thing as baby brain as well. So because women actually lose um, a certain amount of brain cells after they actually deliver a baby. Well, keeping it back on topic of Doctor Who, the Cybermen, for how menacing they are in this serial, they're quickly taken out. He, you know, Ben and the General take out three Cybermen by themselves with their own weapons. So they may be menacing, but they're not the most smartest, I don't think, especially in this well, new no, early but then, like serial. I say, just like with you, smartness comes of age. Then we find out that they've uh, sent up another astronaut to go and rescue the other two astronauts. It's a bit of a, as they call it, a foolhardy mission. It ends up being Cutler's son, the General's son, and then the end of the General episode... Cutler. I'm just keep thinking, isn't that like um someone in like history was called General Cutler? I don't know. I don't know. Again, didn't Ameri- Google that I think, one. I think it's something to do with American history. I don't know. Like I say, I haven't really Googled uh, so I'm that. Going, I'm, I'm going up Google and I find. I find. I also find this episode. The Doctor, he kind of uh, sits back and he sort of takes stock of what's happening here. He doesn't really interfere too much. He's kind of just watching them running around like headless chickens trying to stop the Cybermen. He's kind of just... I think maybe... Well, we'll get on to it in the ep- next episode, at the beginning of the next episode, but it kind of... Maybe this is sort of a prelude to what's happening. And ha, the- ha, ha, knew it. There was actually... General Cutler is actually a real person called Lysander Cutler... He was actually born in 1807 and was an army U- um, general for the Union during the American Civil War. Yeah, well, they probably probably just took sort of influence from that. But th- Knew it. F- thank you for Googling that and telling the listeners. They will appreciate that one. The end of the episode is that they see loads and loads of spaceships well, I knew, I on the I, track, I just which had are this other Cybermen. I knew I'd heard it somewhere before and probably gone with the wind, actually. Maybe, maybe. Then we're on to episode three, and now this is where the the beginning of the end really starts for Doctor. The Doctor ends up passing out ill, and he ends up being escorted into this sort of uh, bunk room, where Ben seems to be unconcerned about the Doctor, even though he's fainted. Polly's a little bit more concerned about him. Ben just basically says, he'll be fine, he's got a pulse. Fine time he picks for a tip. Well, come on, Polly, we must get back to the control room. We can't leave him. He seems all right. His pulse and breathing are normal. I don't understand it. He just seems to be worn out. Well, look, there's nothing we can do till the quack gets here anyway. Come on. (laughs) It's quite funny. (laughs) That is quite funny. What? Right, so the doctor's fine because he's got a pulse, or Ben? The doctor. Ben thinks the doctor's okay because he's got a pulse. Yeah, but hasn't the doctor supposed to have two hearts? Well, that comes in later. So surely, yeah, but if he's got two hearts, surely he should have two pulses. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? I don't know if that ever gets cleared up. We'll have to find out. The pulse is to measure your heart rate. So surely, would he have two different spaces for two different heart rates to measure his pulse? Or would he basically, you know, be able to do two in one and it just goes doubles over? I don't know. Like I say, we might find that out later. Then we find out that the uh, the military have this plan to, to launch this Z-bomb into Mondus, uh, Mondus to blow it up. But there's a little bit of a fear that there's going to be this radiation back blast, which um, Ben and Polly are a little bit obviously concerned. Ben wants to sort of wait to do what the doctor suggests, which is let Mondas 
absorbs as much energy just to burn itself out. But the military, the general, he doesn't really want to do that. So in the end, Polly works on uh, Dr. Barkley, who's a little bit, again, he's a little bit reluctant as well to do this. She sort of works on him, gets him on board, and then they come up with this um, sort of plan to get into this uh, silo where the bomb is for then Ben to sort of fiddle about with it and disarm the bomb. Um, and that's basically what he does. He climbs through this vent, gets into the silo. He's sort of messing about with it. While he's doing this, another spaceship comes down where there's eight Cybermen this time. The military are already waiting in the snow with their weapons. I think it's like th- yeah, the three light weapons. They end up taking out eight Cybermen. So the humans are actually faring quite well against the Cybermen here. They took out eight here and three. They took out like... Um, was it, uh, 11 Cybermen already and they've never seen them before so they're, they're not the best creature or, or monster at the minute they're very easily beaten yeah but like I said at the end of the day with villains there comes you know stupidness in the beginning and then once they figure out how to sort of beat people then wisdom comes with time Mm, yes. always does with everything just you know yeah. just like you and then the episode ends with um the general going into that silo as ben is working on it he then ends up sort of knocking out ben and then there's a countdown started to the bombs knock launch. him out he knocked him over a rail oh, that's it and it sort of counts normally, down what i don't understand is if you knock someone over a rail from that height normally they're brown bread we well, don't know how high it is but yeah the countdown sort of begins it counts down to zero and that's the end of the episode, so we he don't really up, know whether it's up, worked or not, what Ben was doing. Yeah, but he ends up unconscious, sitting there on a chair, which, one, you wouldn't be able to actually sit in a chair if you were unconscious because you'd be all over the shop and born out of it. Mm. And two, when she was sort of, like, dabbing his head and everything, surely there'd been blood. Well, yeah, maybe. So, going to episode four, we find out that actually, Ben, what he did actually works. It powers down the, the bomb. The doctor then enters and says uh, that his body feels like it's uh, basically wearing a bit thin now. So, this is the beginning, the very beginning, beginning of the end. Of the end. Um, quickly, before we go in, episode four is missing in the archives. We watched the animated version. What do you think of the animation? I don't know. Kind of creeped me out a little. I thought it served a purpose. I thought it was okay well, yeah, for what it was. Yeah, it did serve a purpose. And obviously, better than the telly snaps. Yeah, it was better than the telly snaps, but it was sort of creepy because, to be honest, apart from like William Hartnell, the men pretty much looked all the same unless they had a beard. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. So, uh, this... so it got really confusing of who you're supposed to be, uh, you know, watching. Yeah, at this point, um, the general sort of goes a bit insane. He thinks he's lost his son because the bomb didn't go off, and he's about to Went kill. Went a bit insane. That's well, a bit does. of well, yeah, he's going insane. He was already insane. Well, yeah, he's going insane throughout the, the 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 episodes. But here's where he really goes over the edge. He's about to kill the doctor, only for the Cybermen to enter and kill the well, general. I thought they were given the impression already that he was off as a rock guy. Well, yeah. Anyway, the Cybermen end up ending his life and saves the doctor. The Doctor then decides that he wants to play for time with the Cybermen because obviously he wants the energy to be absorbed by the planet to burn it out. The rocket and the rocket slash bomb is uh, disarmed and Polly is then taken as a hostage. 
by the Cybermen as sort of a blackmail because they want uh, Ben and a couple of the other sort of military, I think uh, one of them was the other, the, Barclay, the Dr. Barkley as well, to rearm it so they can use it to uh, destroy question, the Earth. As well. why, I think it's destroy the why Earth. Why Barkley and Dyson? Oh, I know, that is a bit strange, isn't <laughs> a it? A bank and a hoover. Well, yeah, but you wouldn't know them, were they? <laughs> I don't know. Barclays were sort of done in like the 1800s, I think, or late 1800s. We uh, find out also that the Cybermen have landed throughout the planet. They're not just at the stove pole. I think also another thing which is a bit strange is well, that yeah, when cheaper. when the planet appears and the Cybermen come down, they decide to land at the south pole. Ironically, they, they, yeah, they the first land. Time. Yeah, they land where the Doctor is and where this base is. But it's just ironic that they land at that point. The they could have landed anywhere. Land everywhere where there is a station. Well, they could have landed anywhere, but they ironically landed at the South Pole where everything is happening. just think it's quite funny. Anyway. Well, you saw them in Geneva as well. Ben then uh, figures out that these Cybermen seem to Which be... Which is obviously not Geneva, it's the studio. Yeah. But, you know. Seems to be uh, afraid of uh, the radio, the radiation from where the bomb is housed. So they sort of play dead to get one of the Cybermen to come in and that effectively just like destroys the Cyberman or sort of shuts it off or whatever you want radiation. to say. Yeah. So the, uh, the Cybermen then take the Doctor to their ship as sort of Ben is playing for time aboard the ship doctor and polly they sort of hear this sort of vibration that's sort of starting to speed up and they sort of surmise that the ship is getting its energy from mondas and then they fear that this ship is going to explode ben and dr barkley and the other man who i can't remember who it is they extract Dyson. these maybe they extract these sort of uh uranium re radioactive rods from the core to sort of take the fight to the Cybermen because obviously they don't like radiation. The Cybermen... Well, no one with any sense would. Yeah, the Cybermen try to force uh, Ben out of the room by sort of smoking him out with a little bit of gas, only for then uh, them to use these rods on the Cybermen and that sort of they sort of burn up. Or should I say they just sort of collapse and turn off, if that makes sense. Anyway, in the end, Mondas ends up burning up because it absorbs all that energy and then the Cybermen sort of dissolve. The sort of inside just sort of absorbs. It's pretty much dissolves. like the Wicked Witch of the West, but about the water. Yeah, that's it. And uh, and they done the whole... It was a lot quicker and there was no... I'm melting! Yeah, that is kind of the the idea is they kind of did melt. There wasn't much dramatisation in it. No. Ben then goes to this Cyberman's ship to rescue Polly and the Doctor. Could you imagine the whole I'm melting but in a robot voice? Well, maybe in the next one. So yeah, Ben goes to the the spaceship to rescue the Doctor and Polly. The Doctor's sort of slumped over in this little sort of restraining chair for only for then the Doctor to say I need to get back to the TARDIS immediately. It's all over. That's what you said. But it isn't all over. It's far from being all over. What are you talking about? I must get back to the TARDIS. Immediately. All right, Doctor. I must go now. Are we going to go back and say goodbye or anything? No. No, I must go at once. He sort of runs to the TARDIS with well, Ben really and Polly. It was more of like 
um, a chair with bars across. Put, there was like an arm were put through the thing and it was just like a front of a police cell. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, uh, Ben and Polly are in pursuit of the Doctor. The door is kind of locked. I don't really know why he locks the door. I don't really get this bit, but he's kind of inside. He's kind of inside messing about with the control panel. He sort of uses yeah, his last you, strength it, to open the door. Yeah, but if you think about it, that's a latch key, right? On the outside. Maybe. Which means that if unless you switch off, mm. you can't get in. Maybe. The Doctor uses his last ditch energy to open the door. Ben and Polly come in, and the Doctor's slumped on the floor, and then he regenerates. Slumped, he's more like well, in a fetal position. Yeah. And then he regenerates into Patrick Troughton. Which is really confusing in the animated bit, because they both look exactly the same. Yeah, so we did have to watch the uh, the regeneration scene. It's actually still in the archives. So it is still there, so we did actually see that as well. So you can actually see the change. Um, between William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton. So there is a difference in the real version to the, the animated version. But then that's the end of William Hartnell and we wave goodbye. So that's oh, no, the end. So quickly I'll go through William Hartnell's kind of small little bio to before we sort of wrap up um, what we thought of William Hartnell. So William Hartnell is born on the 8th of January in 1908. He was... Ancient. Yep, he was the only child of an unmarried mother, and he never knew his father, despite efforts how, how to the find hell him. Can you have an unmarried mother in 1908? I know. But then all well, of a sudden, in the it? 60s, it's a big thing. I know, I know. And this is obviously a little bit of the controversy surrounding William Hartnell in his life. His mother was an unmarried um, woman, who, and he never knew who his father was. So, you know, like they say, 1908. Yeah, well, fathers ain't all it, trust me. Anyway, age 14, he attended the Italia Conti Drama School and then attended the Imperial Service College to polish his acting craft. In 1924, he worked his way up at the Frank Benson Theatre Company from a promoter to assistant stage manager to small acting roles. During the Second World War, he was invalided out of the Royal Armour Corps due to a nervous breakdown. So he had a nervous breakdown during the Second World War. It ended up ending his military career. Yeah, he went to go and Doctor Who. Well, yeah, but you got... Well, what? Yeah, but the war was like 39 to 45. Doctor Who, started, Doctor Who started in 63. So anyway, in his acting career, he was in 75 British films, including the one I've seen, which is a Carry On Sergeant. I haven't seen him in anything else, I think, apart from that. that. Yep, he was in Carry On Sergeant. But he is mainly remembered for his Doctor Who performance. It's just a little bit of escapism in these difficult times, a bit of normality. So yep, he's most he is mainly remembered for Doctor Who. He was in twenty nine stories, which was one hundred and thirty four episodes. Bit of comedy for all this crap and lockdown. Yep, but an undiagnosed uh, arteriosclerosis started to affect his ability to learn the lines and that's really effectively what made him sort of step down that and yeah i think he had a little bit of um disagreement with the producers of the show as well he was married he was married from the 9th of may the 29th um 9th of may 29 till his death on the 23rd of april 75 of heart failure and he has one daughter and he was 67 years old so he, he was still fairly young to be fair in modern day standards 67 um 
But like I say, I, I quite like William Hartnell. We'll quickly go through uh, the 10th Planet's verdict from Mark Campbell's episode guide, and then we'll say what our favourite episodes and least favourite were and all the other bits. So this one says, poor model work aside, this is a grip in production. The subhuman Cybermen with their meandering voices are chilling creations and the Doctor's transformation is particularly effective at 9 out of 10. So I got a, I got to admit, I kind of agree. I actually really like the tenth planet. I think it's a really good one. Yeah, nine out of ten, I kind of agree. Yeah. So that being said, I'd say an eight because I'm stingy. What do we think of William Hartnell as a Doctor as the first introduction to Doctor Who? Did he get Doctor Who going on the right foot? Well, yeah, definitely. You know, he definitely set was... the tone for what's to come. Well, definitely because obviously, you know, it probably wouldn't have got as far as it did with someone else. I think. Also, the regeneration process, I did say it's one of the topics I want to talk about, so we'll quickly talk about now. The regeneration pro- premise is a highly fascinating creation. Obviously, if William Hartnell had said, no, that's it, I'm, I'm too ill or I was undiagnosed, but if he said, I can't learn the lines, you know, I've had enough of this, I'm not doing it, and he just stepped off and they didn't come up with this regeneration idea, the, the program's done. It's just done. Whereas this regeneration is a really brilliant premise because you can put a new actor in the role and keep it going, which is obviously what their idea was. Um, well, yeah, because that's been going on for God knows how long now. And also the spontaneity from which a regeneration could happen. We saw it with Christopher Eccleston in the future, long way into the future, but Christopher Eccleston did one, one year or one season as Doctor and he regenerates into David Tennant and it's like it can be um, a surprise thing. That's what we're saying about Jodie Whittaker. Is Jodie Whittaker leaving or not? Will they actually announce it or not? Because they could just do a surprise regeneration. It's, mm. it's, you know, it's an interesting tool that they've got in the arsenal to keep Doctor Who really fresh. Um, so yeah, I really quite like that premise. Patrick Chotham. But with Matt Smith, they actually basically tried to make out that he was getting older and, that, that you know, he was going, but then he well, folded. Well, that's it, you know, and that's William Hartnell's idea behind it as well, that he's, it's, he's, it's an old body, his body's wearing down, so he needs to go into a, a sort of a younger body, which is what he does, Patrick Troughton. Patrick Troughton's more of a sort of comedic sort of, uh, I've read that he's kind of modelled like a Charlie Chaplin type um, doctor, so mm. we'll have to see how the sort of change is. I think also I've read. Yeah, it was bad enough when I was just decided yeah. to turn around and ask me who Charlie Chaplin was well. yesterday. Well, um, <laughs> I think it's interesting that Patrick Troughton did not want to play the doctor um, like William Hartnell. He completely wanted to change the idea, so he's got the idea straight away. We don't mm. play it the same, so that's a good little thing. So, um, best episode, Becky. What what would you class as your your best favorite episode? I quite like the history ones, but then you know I'm a bit of a history buff, so... Um, well, if we quickly um, go through the episodes, we can quickly sort of go through them. We had the Unearthly Child, nope. the, the Daleks, um, which is a nice little intro to the Daleks. Very, very interesting premise. Straight off the bat, they hit the ground running, and they got one of the most iconic villains, monsters, straight away, basically. Uh, the Edge of Destruction, Marco Polo, You've got the key of Marinus, the Aztecs, which again is another good little one. The Sensorites, again, not favoured by the fans, but I actually quite like the Sensorites. Uh, the Reign of Terror, Planet of the Giants, the Daleks' Invasion of Earth, the Rescue, the Romans, the Web Planet, which again I thought not really highly thought of um, by the fans, but again, I thought like the Web Planet, I think that's a good one as well. The Crusade, the Space Museum, the Chase, the Time Meddler, 
Galaxy 4, uh, we'll skip over Mission to Unknown because he wasn't in that one. The Myth Makers, the Daleks Master Plan, the Massacre of St. Barth- Bartholomew's Eve, the Ark, which again, I like the Ark as well, the Celestial Toymaker, the Gunfighters, the Savages, the War Machines, the Smugglers, and the Tenth Planet. So, I've got to admit, I, I can't really pick a favourite really because there's quite a few that I like. There are quite a few. So, you I, know, I, I did like the Dalek ones, but the um, like the eight cereal was it eight cereal or twelve cereal? Which Episode one? Episode cereal, the Dalek. The one. Dalek Master Plan was the very long one. Yeah, that one wasn't such my favourite because it was too long. Um, I think if I'm going to be pushed into a corner and say. You know, which one's your favourite episode? I would have to go probably, it's between the Ark and the Tenth Planet. I really do like the Tenth Planet. I think the Tenth Planet is a really good one. I would actually say either, you know, I did, I did like the Romans one, but it, it dragged a little, you know. Um, there was the one, the, the, I did quite like the Aztecs, you know, but the thing is, but then I do like the gunfighters, and you know me, I like a western. Mm. So I think I think there's my... quite a lot of good ones, and you know the tenth planet is good as well. The Dalek ones are good, and that's the thing. There's just so many. It's just like, well, I could tell you what my least favorite one is. Why? What's your least favorite one? Well, it still stands at Unearthly Child. Well, yeah, a lot of people look at that one as a favorable one because it's the one that started it all. If I'm going to say what my least favorite one was. Mm, I would have to go probably Planet of Giants. I don't like that one as much. I thought that one was a little bit dull. Yep, the one where they they shrunk, or yeah, they sort of got into the stream, wasn't it? Materialization stream, and they end up shrinking. So yeah, yeah. I probably agree on that one. So we disappointed by the first uh, sort of go round with the Cybermen. I think I wasn't disappointed. I was just I just thought that they looked really funny. I think impacting it's like at the end of the day don't put a tube sock over your head and cut holes in it if, I, I don't want to deconstruct it too much because obviously uh i don't want to make this podcast too long but i think from a first impressions point of view you know if you're in the 60s you're a little child it's probably terrifying you're hiding behind the couch you know but from my point of view i think the cybermen come in weak they look very weak in this one they're easily defeated by the humans they're very uh, their weakness is very exploited by the humans here, where they just let Mondas burn itself out and that effectively ends them. I think as they go on, they become more menacing. They get more powerful as they go on. Their theory is if it burns out, they can just live there. The look of them, yeah, the look's basic. You know, they always say you love you first. This is the first one. But they do become something different they do evolve as they go on and we'll see this through patrick troughton's era again patrick troughton's uh whereas uh william hartnell was so so pivotal for the daleks they got the grip hold the daleks did in this uh in william hartnell's doctor and they became effectively what they are today you know one of the most popular monsters of dalek uh, of doctor who history the cybermen in patrick troughton's era of what he becomes uh, his sort of monster. If you say William Hartnell's monster is kind of the Daleks, Patrick Troughton's is the the Cybermen. He the Cybermen are in that quite a bit throughout his series, so we're going to see the Cybermen quite a lot now, and they're going to see them evolve through Patrick Troughton's era. I think with William Hartnell, though, there was also his were more Daleks, but he had a lot of weird ones. But he did have quite a few Daleks. He had like jellyfish. five or six serials with the Daleks in. Yeah, but the jellyfish. Anyway, so you know it's a jellyfish. 
again, I think we'll sort of wrap it up now uh, to next week, which will be uh, the power of the Daleks, talking about Daleks, power of the Daleks, uh, Patrick Troutman. Again, I'll get on to next week uh, on the topic of, you know, they're kind of going balls to the wall here with Patrick Troutman straight away, throwing in the Daleks, the most favourite sort of monster of the area was Dalek Mania, that first out, out and for Patrick Troutman, what should we give him? We'll give him the Daleks to fight. So it's quite... You know, they've really put their faith in him here, I think. But we'll get into that next oh, week yeah, when we go through it. It's like, well, you know, if you're going to throw a new doctor in, you might as well throw in at something. That's it. And but then that's like Crystal Freckleston. I think he's the first one with the Autons, and I can't even remember. No, what was them? David Tennant's. I can't really remember. It was... Um, we'll have to find out. I don't know. It was on the roof or something. Well, we'll, f- we'll find out when we get to it, Becky. Yes, a long and it was way like into the future. But let's like, say, yeah, let us know what you think. It Daleks, let, I know that. let us know what you think of the tenth planet. Or all the social medias will be in the comments. Uh, like say, like comment, review everything, and to let you know that we are now on Amazon Music. Um, I finally got it sorted, and. So what you do is you type in Doctor Who into the search and go into podcasts. And we were about the fourth or fifth down, but we're now about sixth or seventh. But you'll find us. So like I said, I think we'll wrap it up there. So again, it's sad to see William Hartnell go, but I'm excited now to get on to Patrick Troughton. Haven't seen much of Patrick Troughton. Um, there was a lot of animated episodes. Close to Tom Baker. Yeah, and we're getting closer to John Pertwee as well, which is another one of my doctors that I like. Yeah, but I've not actually seen John Pertwee, but I have seen Tom Baker some of so you know it's kind of i don't think i've actually seen that much of tom baker so you know and i do like tom i well, really we like shall tom see, baker so we shall of... see a lot of tom baker when we get to it yep. so like I say we'll wrap it up there let us know what you thought of the 10th planet and what you think of patrick Tratton going forward and we will see you next week so i'll say goodbye and say goodbye becky Bye.